Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, State Senator Rob McCauley gives us a legislative update on issues including Ohio's recently approved ban on vaccine requirements, the governor's idea to offer more vaccine incentives, and yet another attempt to legalize recreational marijuana. Also this morning, a growing number of homeowners are looking to renovate their current place rather than fight the red-hot real estate market. But that frenzy is spilling over into the home improvement market as well. And we're calling it the Great Travel Reboot of 2021. We have a vacation destination that checks off both boxes of what people are looking for. Fewer crowds and time in the great outdoors. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Monday, July 19th. 2021. Global Hug Your Kids Day today. It is also National Daiquiri Day. <laughs> National Get Out of the Doghouse Day, uh, which may also be known as apologize for whatever it was that you said or did. <laughs> Just apologize and get it done with day. Uh, National Raspberry Cake Day, Stick Out Your Tongue Day. You know, that is considered to be a rude gesture in many cultures, you know, sticking sticking out one's tongue. But in some places of the world, most notably Tibet, uh, apparently it is a, uh, uh, I, I'm told it is a, a welcome greeting to someone to stick out their, stick out your tongue. I don't know. Uh, and it is Flight Attendant Safety Professionals Day today. So big hats off to all of the flight attendants out there who have just had a really rough go of it uh, this travel season, especially because people have just been behaving terribly on airplanes uh, this year for whatever reason. But uh, in any event, hats off to all of the flight attendants who are not there just to bring you snacks and drinks. They're there for safety reasons, that's their primary job. So, Flight Attendant Safety Professionals Day today. So, uh, this was kind of interesting. Saturday, World Emoji Day. Saturday was World Emoji Day, Emoji Day and a group of potential emojis have been revealed. Uh, the designs are not finalized. They could be changed. They could be cut entirely. Some of these may not make the cut, but... Uh, the Unicode Consortium, uh, by September, apparently the there is an approval date deadline in September where they will finalize the latest additions to the world of emoji. And this is a big deal for, you know, modern technology, new uh, emojis. But the potential new emojis... Include a melting smiley face, okay, uh, a number of new hand gestures. There is a guy with a beer belly. Now, there is some confusion over whether this is a guy with a beer belly or actually a pregnant man. I saw it, and I'm thinking guy with a beer gut, but however you want to interpret that, I guess. There is a saluting face, uh, you know, given a salute, like a military salute. A biting your lip face. Um, I can see that being very popular. A uh, face where you're covering the eyes but peeking between the fingers. <laughs> that I can see that being very popular as well. Uh, there is a troll, a tire, an X-ray, a bird's nest, bubbles, a disco ball. 
kind of cool, a low battery emoji, and many more. The proposed new emoji, if you want to uh, see the entire collection, you can uh, go to emojipedia.org slash emoji dash 14.0. So that is the, or 14.0. There's the uh, 14th iteration of the uh, emoji every year at the new emoji. And so those are some of the proposed ones this year. This is kind of interesting. I uh, saw this uh, over the weekend, a, a thread on the uh, bulletin board site, Reddit. Every now and then they have people who post these questions and then they're open for discussion and so on on Reddit. Every now and then they come up with a really interesting question. And this was one that I saw yesterday. What is the most important thing you realized during the pandemic? Now that we're getting into the waning uh, weeks or waning days of the hopefully waning days of the uh, pandemic. I know we've got cases on the rise in many states, but in any event, what was the most important thing? I think for most people, we think of this as being the waning uh, stretch of the pandemic. Uh, what is the most important thing you realized during the uh, pandemic? Some of the answers <laughs> that even with a lot of free time, I'm still a lazy bum. <laughs> Show of hands. How many people realized that during the pandemic? Yes, that was me. How much my daily routine truly benefited my mental health. Not being able to get up, get dressed, go to class, just get on with life really impacted me. Again, I think a lot of people can relate to that. We never really gave it much thought. But then when we didn't have that normal routine, we realized just how much uh, it impacted our quality of life. We complain about it sometimes, but we need that routine. It is, people who, it is people who make life difficult with their silly, egotistical behavior and gossip. Remove them and you get peace of mind and contentment, was what somebody else said. So that's kind of the opposite of you know, being able to uh, go into work or class or whatever and interact with other people. So in that respect, maybe it was a good thing. Uh, I found that leaving the house costs a lot of money. Uh, never going anywhere for 18 months. And she's, this person says, I'm one of the fortunate people who didn't have any interruption in my employment or a reduction in pay. So that combined with never going anywhere for 18 months caused my bank account to swell to levels I'd not seen before. So just how much money we spend in our routine day to day was a lesson that a lot of people learned. Taking a break from constantly going places and doing things is okay. It's fine to stop and smell the roses from time to time. Uh, I learned that my circle of friends can change very quickly. Yeah, a lot of us found that out. And uh, I learned that even as an introvert, I really miss people when I don't see them. I really miss people (laughs) when I don't see them, even though I'm an introvert. Some of the interesting uh, responses there from that uh, Reddit thread I thought was uh, kind of interesting. So, uh, of course, the... The thing that most of us are looking forward to, parents anyway, looking forward to uh, this fall is the kids going back to school and hopefully an end to remote learning. According to a a survey of 2,000 American parents uh, commissioned by SitterCity.com, 51% say they are not prepared for the upcoming school year, however. I mean, uh, we love the idea of the kids going back to school and not being cooped up at home doing the remote learning thing, but more than 70% say they have found the constant routine changes of the last year stressful 
And uh, 27% say they have forgotten what their kid's normal school routine was. <laughs> so uh, with uh, COVID-19 is still a lingering threat in their minds, more than a quarter of those polled say they don't want their children taking the bus. Interesting. 70% said that they are willing to wake up a half hour earlier just to drive or walk their kids to school themselves. Uh, the pandemic has had some positive effects. Respondents said 75% uh, of respondents said, uh, the past year plus has made their kids more self-sufficient. 59% said their kids now get themselves dressed. 58% say they're cleaning up after themselves. 49% say their kids are doing their homework without help. And 47% are even getting to bed without being reminded. That said, while 87% of parents believe that their child has become more mature over the past uh, year, 55% have caught their youngsters playing video games instead of doing their schoolwork. So... There is there is that. And when the kids head back to school, this is kind of cool. This will make you maybe not feel quite as old, mom and dad. Nearly six in ten American kids admit to stealing one of their parents' old outfits to wear to school. <laughs> A survey of 1,000 kids between the ages of 5 and 18 reveals that nostalgia for the fashion of their parents' era is very strong. Three in four kids say they think their parents' sense of style as a teenager was actually cool. How about that? We were pretty hip after all. <laughs> and kids are not just longing for the styles of the past. They are implementing them into their own wardrobes. 63% of kids say that they love retro fashion and find inspiration from the past in their daily school outfits. So when the kids are getting ready to head back to school, don't be surprised if their wardrobe looks an awful lot like yours did back in the day, Mom and Dad. Uh, parents have noticed the retro and reimagined phenomenon. Four in five parents polled say they often see their kids wearing an outfit similar to one that maybe they would have worn when they were in school. So... There you go. I feel a little less old now. There you go. Some of the uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Monday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. The WTOL 11 first alert forecast. Mostly sunny today with a high of 85. Mostly clear tonight, a low of 67. The Hancock County Sheriff's Office is asking for the public's help in identifying a man seen on surveillance video stealing a John Deere UTV from a Findlay business. The sheriff's office says the theft occurred at Findlay Implement on Northridge Road the morning of July 11th. The suspect was observed driving a gray Ford F-250 pulling an enclosed trailer. Anybody with information about the theft is asked to contact the Hancock County Sheriff's Office. Area law enforcement agencies collaborated on an OVI checkpoint in Findlay on Saturday night. We spoke with Lieutenant Matt Crow, the Highway Patrol's Findlay Post Commander at the checkpoint. The most that I've ever gotten out of a checkpoint here in Finley was seven in an evening, which is a pretty good number for just a, a four-hour checkpoint. Sometimes you'll have checkpoints and you won't get anybody that's impaired. And that's a good thing as well. I mean, obviously, we don't want people out there driving impaired. He says the checkpoint was held in conjunction with nearby saturation patrols to aggressively combat alcohol-related injury and fatal crashes. You can see video of our full conversation with the lieutenant on our website. For the first time, Ohio lawmakers will have a chance to weigh in on a bill that would legalize recreational marijuana in the state. 
The Columbus Dispatch reports that Democratic Representatives Casey Weinstein of Hudson and Terrence Upchurch of Cleveland have drafted a bill to legalize cultivation and regulate sales, as well as allow people previously convicted of low-level marijuana crimes to have their records sealed. The legislation faces a steep climb in the GOP-dominated legislature that five years ago barely legalized a highly regulated medical marijuana program. Daniel Barnett, ONN News. In Sandusky, one of Cedar Point's most popular traditions is returning this fall. Last year, Cedar Point canceled its Hollow Weekends event amid COVID-19 concerns. It was replaced by the scaled-down Tricks and Treats Fall Fest. But the bigger event is back this year and will run on weekends from September 17th through October. Select areas of the park will have scare mazes, haunted attractions, and a spooky atmosphere. Angela Ann, ONN News. And get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. Again, it's our cover story this morning. Get a legislative update out of Columbus with State Senator Rob McCauley joining us on the line this morning. Senator, thanks very much for uh, taking the time. We appreciate it. Happy to be here. Want to uh, start with uh, more uh, vaccine slash pandemic news and uh, get your your thoughts uh, on the recently uh, signed measure that would restrict uh, and or ban uh, businesses from placing vaccine requirements uh, on uh, their employees as a condition for employment, implementing a ban on vaccine requirements. Talk about the logic uh, in that uh, in that measure, and are there any uh, exceptions uh, to that rule? Well, the bill that was passed, uh, House Bill 244, actually, it, it only placed the ban on public schools and public institutions of higher education from requiring a vaccination as a condition of admission or a condition of attendance that has not been approved by the FDA. And so in this case, that would be the that would be the um, that'd be the coronavirus uh, vaccine in any of its forms um, due to the fact that it still is technically an experimental stage. Um, And we just felt that our logic behind that was, uh, uh, number one, the the continuing body of research as to the the uh, suitability of the vaccine for people who are uh, minors who are under the age of 18 and also just the thought of any anybody um, imposing a requirement for anybody to put something in their body that hasn't been fully approved by the Food and Drug Administration. And so that was the justification behind it. Um, and that's uh, the reason that we uh, passed that legislation. Critics would say that that undermines the effort to get people vaccinated, that these uh, are safe vaccines. They have uh, been granted to this point only emergency use authorization, but uh, at least the uh, Pfizer and the Moderna vaccines are both very close to getting full approval, maybe as soon as later this month. Are you concerned at all that it uh, adds fuel to the fire to uh, those who are uh, campaigning against uh, getting people vaccinated based on misinformation? I, I'm not concerned at all. I mean, frankly, when you look at the primary driving factors of the of the high risks associated with coronavirus, it's primarily, we've known this for some time, that it's been age. It's been people who are 65 plus. And even though uh, the overall vaccination rate in the state of Ohio is hovering around 
uh, 40% or so. We do also know that that primary risk group has had uh, vaccination uh, well above 70, 75% for some time. And so um, I think that's why you're beginning to see, and you have seen for some time, a decoupling, if you will, between the cases and the amount of hospitalizations and deaths that we're seeing in the state of Ohio is because uh, the primary driver of those hospitalization and deaths was the age group. And that age group um, has been uh, largely the vast majority of them have been vaccinated for some time. So you're not seeing as many adverse consequences as we were before. But uh, they will point out uh, that uh, uh, case count in Ohio and many other states is now uh, on the rise once again, and it is largely uh, being fueled by increases in uh, cases uh, amongst younger groups at this point, possibly driven by the uh, Delta variant, which uh, seems to be uh, more virulent than the original strain. Uh, Again, as you mentioned, this legislation only prevents uh, requirements so long as the vaccination uh, remains uh, under emergency use authorization. There have to be uh, some sort of, uh, uh, I guess, a PR push to understand once it does get full full approval that those uh, institutions would be uh, fully legal to require vaccinations at that point, would they not? Uh, that, yes, that would be how the law would read as it was passed. Um, and But until then, um, they would not be allowed to uh, require those vaccinations. But it, it's worth pointing out as well, um, even though the Delta variant is going around and, and it's different, and look, every every virus uh, mutates. Sure. Uh, every single virus had mutates right. in some fashion or not. I don't think people should be um, overly concerned that COVID is, is mutating because it's, it's going to do what a virus does. But I would say that uh, the research out there does suggest that while uh, the vaccines that uh, are out there are less effective than they were against the original COVID, uh, the truth of the matter is they're still close to 90% effective. And so um, you're still going to see less transmission among those that have been vaccinated in that primary age group. Um, and then you're also going to see uh, less serious and adverse consequences among those who are unfortunate enough to get it, even though they've been vaccinated. Right. Uh, to that end, uh, with respect to the uh, vaccine, Governor uh, last week kind of uh, hinted at a possible new incentive program in the state of Ohio to encourage those who have not yet been vaccinated to do so. Now, I know that the Vaximillion program, when it was rolled out, uh, was roundly criticized by many on both sides of the aisle. And how effective it was at encouraging people to get vaccinated depends on whose numbers you believe. There is some research that says that it uh, led to an increase in vaccination rates by 20, 30, 40 percent even, and other research that suggests that it had little to no effect. So uh, while it's really unclear as to what the impact actually was, was there enough of a benefit in your mind to justify another round of incentives, uh, possibly cash incentives, as the governor has suggested? Well, I I was uh, opposed to the idea of using government funds, taxpayer dollars um, uh, for for the first round of incentives. I think there are plenty of other things we can do with that money, particularly um, when we're trying to uh, trying to balance our state budget and do things of that nature. 
um, that would have been a better use of those funds. Um, and I would agree it's, it's pretty inconclusive as to whether um, the the vaccination rate was increased by then. Mm-hmm. I know some people have said uh, the reason it was increased is because they opened it up to a new population group right? Um, rather than overall adult population taking off. So um, it, I, I don't really look at it as, as this is something we should be doing. I think people have uh, heard an awful lot about the vaccination right now. Um, people have heard an awful lot about uh, coronavirus right now. People are armed with the information they need to make their health care decisions on their own. Um, and I'm not really sure that we need to be spending government resources, taxpayer resources on behalf of uh, of these types of incentives. Now, to the best of my knowledge, the uh, governor has not announced details of what that incentive program might look like. But could we potentially see legislation be introduced that would prohibit such incentives moving forward? Uh, it's a possibility. I, the, the legislature probably won't be doing active legislation until probably this fall. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not sure that there will be anything that would stop it between now and then. Right. But um, it, it, it's a possibility. I, and I, every indication that I've been given um, is that it's not going to be the million-dollar giveaways. Right. Um, and, in fact, I've been told by some people that there have been conversations with the private sector um, about whether they'd be willing to sponsor some of these incentives, which is, of course, an entirely different conversation. But um, uh, nevertheless, my opposition primarily is to the use of taxpayer resources. So if there is some sort of um, public-private partnership, if you will, uh, which involves uh, private businesses uh, fronting the incentives, you would be okay with that? I wouldn't have as much of a problem with it, but the, the truth remains, and I think the the results could be mixed with that as well, mm-hmm. because I do believe the truth remains that, look, the people who uh, who are going to get vaccinated largely have received the information they've needed um, to make them feel comfortable with it. The people who are choosing not to get vaccinated are making that choice on their own, and it's well within their rights to, to make that choice. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just going to play out the way it's going to play out. I'm not sure the the uh, the incentives are going to make that big of a difference. Yeah. Before we let you go, I do want to ask you about one other uh, story that was just in the news in the uh, past few days, and that is apparently there is another uh, attempt, another push on to legalize recreational marijuana in the state. Uh, as we noted in the news uh, in, in talking about this story, uh, obviously it was an uphill battle in the state of Ohio just to get a medical marijuana measure approved. Is there any chance that that this that the timing is right that there would be any appetite for expanding legal marijuana use beyond its current limits in Ohio. Well, when we passed medical marijuana, that was something that uh, after a lot of research, after talking with some experts, um, we realized that there was some some medical beneficial medical uses that that needed to be looked into and some potential benefit from a medical standpoint. And so that's why we legalized it. But I, I still maintain that there is no uh, there, there there's no potential benefit towards legalizing recreational marijuana in the state of Ohio. Um, I think the downsides far outweigh the upsides. Some people say, well, you know, what about the tax revenue and mm-hmm. all those other things? Uh, you know, frankly, the amount of tax revenue we would make off of that would be a drop in the bucket. 
compared to the increased amount we'd have to spend on social services and things of that nature um, due to the relative availability of marijuana compared to right now and, and the impact that it's going to have on those uh, areas of our of our government. So I would be uh, staunchly opposed to the full legalization of recreational marijuana. And we will leave it there for now. Again, uh, State Senator Rob McCauley with the latest uh, legislative update, uh, stories that have been in the news and uh, things going on in and around Columbus. Uh, Senator, thanks very much for uh, taking the time. We appreciate it. Thanks. Have a good one. Well, you've heard about the bidding wars, the all-cash offers, homes selling for, in some cases, thousands of dollars over asking price. The housing boom is showing no signs of slowing down, which is good for sellers, not so good for buyers. And it is not only affecting those in the market, it is also impacting the home improvement industry as well. And joining us is professional builder and YouTube star Kyle Stumpenhorst. And Kyle, what do you see as the biggest impact that the housing market boom has had on the home improvement industry? Sure, Chris. I think that, you know, with this boom, people are realizing, you know what, maybe it's crazy to, you know, go in a bidding war to, you know, spend all of our cash. And maybe we just stay at home and remodel what we have. And that is, you know, definitely a huge factor in this home remodeling boom that we're starting to see. And uh, that is also uh, meaning that we're seeing prices going up uh, for those factors and others. Uh, we've, we know what housing materials or building materials, and, and we've seen the price run up in there. And also for uh, hiring professionals, they are getting obviously very busy. So there's this trickle down effect that just keeps going and going and going. Yeah, you know, with, with the housing boom, people are not only buying new homes, you know, I think at records, but they're also still building new homes. And now that people are remodeling their homes, yeah. you know, this DeWalt survey that's come out, you know, over seven in 10 people are planning a, a large remodeling project in their own home. That's going to put a, an even bigger strain on the supply chain. The materials aren't coming in fast enough. People are still slowly getting back to work and running at full capacity. And even if they do, that last year, we were just using up all these supplies and not being able to replenish them. So supply and demand, prices are going to go up. And uh, as well, some of those people uh, talking about doing renovations will be doing it themselves. Uh, others will be hiring contractors. As a matter of fact, quite a few, according to that same survey you referenced, uh, quite a few people are going to be doing uh, home improvements and renovations and remodelings that are maybe beyond their own capability and hiring those services out. Yeah. And, you know, if you're going to be doing that, I think it's very important that you do your research. You know, if you're going to be hiring a contractor, you know, we live in a time where you can go and find just about anything about anybody and they all post all their, their lives on social media. So if you're going to be hiring a contractor, I tell people, go do a little bit of, uh, you know, internet stalking, go check out these people's Facebook page because you don't just want somebody that can do a good product because you want somebody that can also fit the character of person that you want to allow into your home. You're going to be spending a lot of money. They're going to be spending a lot of time with you or potentially in your home for sure. You don't just hire on price. Uh, look at somebody's character 
when you start hiring. That is a really good tip that uh, probably a lot of folks wouldn't even have thought of. I was going to ask, uh, you know, what are some of the steps to finding a good contractor and what questions you talk about the research that it will take you only so far. What questions then should you be asking uh, to a potential contractor before you sign a contract? Sure. I think it's no secret. Timelines are going to be a big topic of conversation. Everybody's busy. It's hard to find good people that are going to you know, do the work for the contractor. They can't hire enough people. So talk about the timeline, you know, have an open and honest conversation. Don't pressure them into being there tomorrow. Because if somebody comes and says, hey, I can start next week, you should be throwing a red flag. That's, that's not going to happen. You know, this isn't HGTV. It's not going to get done in two days. So it's a very important thing to talk about the timeline. Uh, obviously, you want to talk price. But you, you want to ask them for references. You want to see where can you go talk to their past clients? Where can you see their past work? Price is so uh, important. But again, just to underscore what you were saying earlier, you don't want to make your decision solely on price because the cheapest is not always the best. No, exactly. The last thing you want to do is to hire someone based on price, not look into their work and see who they are as a person. Be unhappy because now we're in a market where it's hard to buy. You've got a home that maybe has a problematic repair that has been done and you don't want to go through that. So take the time, focus on quality over price and, and really focus on the person you're hiring. You know, we talked about uh, the home renovation market being really hot in the context of so many people uh, are deciding to, instead of sell their home, just improve, make improvements to the home that they have. How many folks are uh, doing home improvements as an investment to make sure that they can capitalize on the uh, red house, uh, red hot housing market, doing those improvements, the idea of putting their house on the market uh, sometime on down the line. I would imagine that's something you should always keep in the back of your mind. Oh, exactly. When looking at, you know, a home remodeling project, obviously, I think it's very important to first think, about yourself. You're living there. What do you want? What's going to make you happy? You don't work hard every day to spend your money on something that's not going to make you happy. But if you see yourself selling this property in the future, you got to think about what's going to add the most value. Mm -hmm. Obviously, bathrooms, kitchen, you know, the curb appeal of of the house is going to push your house maybe in front of the next person. So, you know, every market's a little bit different, but there's common themes always across the board, bathrooms, kitchens, uh, decks, things like that. And and given how hot the uh, home buying market is right now and how tight uh, it is when we're talking about hiring a contractor, it can be uh, several weeks before you, know, you can get scheduled. Would that be something that you would recommend right now, making those improvements before putting uh, a house on the market? Or are you better off in today's environment just going ahead and, and putting it on the market how she sits, even if maybe it needs some updates? You know, I think you can always just try that. You can put it on the market. If you get what you want, then you can say, eh, we won this one. You know, if not, I think if you put your, you know, you start the process of doing that home remodel, it will not start tomorrow anyway. Yeah. So you've got months, you've got months of planning ahead of you and waiting. And if you tell a contractor, Hey, 
I actually sold my house, so I you can take me off your list. Yeah, that's just going to move the next person up. So you're not <laughs> going to really do that much of a disservice. Yeah, uh, that is a a good point, a very sensible approach. I mean, you can always put it on the market, see if it sells. If it doesn't, you know, you can move forward with the renovations. Otherwise, uh, you know, so much the better. So, uh, really, some good advice there. Again, uh, professional builder, YouTube star Kyle Stumpenhorst with us this morning, talking about the home buying market and how it relates and how it impacts the home improvement market right now. Where do we get more information? Yeah, Chris, I would say, you know, I was pretty, you know, fortunate to partner with DeWalt on this survey. They've got a ton of information over on their website. So if somebody wants to go search DeWalt.com, DeWalt.com, go to their press room, uh, the surveys there along with more information. And we will link that up on our webpage as well. Good stuff. Kyle, thanks very much for the time. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, Chris. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update of the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We have a full collection of stories, uh, basically, where you ask yourself, what in the world are people thinking? Uh, first of all, uh, in uh, Nevada, I'm not sure, uh, Washoe County, uh, Nevada, I'm not sure exactly where that is in the, uh, the state of Nevada, but police are investigating a break-in at a dental office, or were investigating a break-in at a dental office, but discovered something much larger uh, happening. Police say that Laurel Ike, age 42, a dental office employee, now stands accused of breaking into the office and stealing more than $22,000 in cash and checks. She also, get this, pulled 13 teeth from one person despite not having a license to do so. I kid you not, investigators say the uh, surgery, which took place sometime before the break-in at the office back in early May, involved an anesthetic that had been disposed of by the dental office. The county sheriff's office arrested Ms. Ike on Wednesday, and she admitted to performing the unlicensed extractions. She has been charged with a number of felonies, not surprisingly, including performing surgery on uh, another person without a license and, of course, burglary and grand larceny and all of that. What in the world was she thinking? And what, what in the world was the, uh, the person that she pulled their teeth, what were they thinking? I, I suppose maybe they were thinking, well, she works in a dental office. She must be okay to pull my teeth. It's crazy. Man, oh, man. I mean, people are afraid to go to the dentist anyway. This is not going to help, I don't think. <laughs> Elsewhere in the broken news, the California Highway Patrol was called early Thursday morning about a car ablaze on Interstate 80 uh, near the California-Nevada border. When officers arrived, they found a man in his 30s yelling about the bears. Officers determined that the man had set his own vehicle on fire to stave off the so-called bears, but there was no evidence any bears had been nearby. <laughs> well, I guess maybe scared them off. But no, there was no evidence that there had ever been any bears in the first place. Officers put out the fire and arrested the man. He is charged with arson and being under the influence of alcohol or some other controlled substance. <laughs> alcohol or some other Controlled substance. We're not sure. Pretty sure he was under the influence of something. Uh, more 
stories of people doing really weird and dumb things for no apparent reason. Sterling Antonio Love, age 31, rushed the fence at Colorado's Centennial Airport on Friday and tried to jump on board a jet that was taxiing on the runway. Police say he intended to steal the jet and head to Hawaii. Police, well, there are worse places to go, I guess, if you're going to steal a jet. That would be where I'd go. Uh, police say police say the airplane's crew successfully shooed him away. Doesn't say how they did that, but his bad luck that sheriff's deputies were already at the airport for an unrelated matter, so they were able to promptly take him into custody. He's been charged with aggravated motor vehicle theft in the first degree, a felony. Misdemeanor second degree, second degree criminal, criminal trespassing. And the Douglas County Sheriff's Office tweeted after the incident, quote, Life is not a video game. Jumping a fence at the airport to steal a jet will not go well. <laughs> Truer words were never spoken. That's... Police in Meridian, Mississippi are investigating a report of a robbery and shooting involving a naked porn actor who became upset after not being paid. (laughs) I am shocked because usually uh, those involved in the entertainment uh, uh, film industry or the uh, adult entertainment industry are usually such fine, upstanding citizens. I can't imagine that... uh, (laughs) One would try to cheat this guy uh, out of his money. The case was first reported around noon last Sunday at an abandoned school building on Azalea Drive in Meridian, Mississippi. Investigators say the suspect, who was still naked after he and two other people finished making their uh, <clears throat> film, demanded at gunpoint that the producer send him $200 uh, via the uh, cash app. <laughs> when When the victim tried to run away, the suspect chased and shot at him while still naked, putting several bullet holes in his car. But there were no injuries, charges still pending. Imagine they're they're still trying to figure out what in the world was going on there. That may take a little while to sort all of that out. This is almost like the story of the three bears, but instead, another naked man... Attempted, there's a lot of nudity in the <laughs> in the broken news today. Uh, a naked man attempted to break into a home in Connecticut. Wallingford police say they responded to the home Thursday morning after the homeowner arrived to find a naked man inside her home. When officers arrived, they found the man still inside and identified him as Ian Wiggett. The reason why they were able to identify him so quickly is because he was uh, involved in a previous incident. (laughs) They were familiar with Mr. Wiggett. Uh, Police say the man gained entry into the home by breaking a window. He was arrested and charged with second-degree burglary, interfering with an officer, and second-degree criminal mischief. Um, And maybe indecent exposure? I'm not sure. Not what you want not what you want to find when you arrive home. <laughs> Naked man in your house. And uh what else is uh is going Oh, uh here's one other story. This actually remember we had the uh, story in the news about the uh guy who slammed into the bridge and uh knocked it off its moorings and uh closed the highway. A dump truck with its dumpster raised slammed into a Georgia highway overpass early Thursday morning. 
hit the bridge so hard that it moved the structure six feet, it said. Six feet. Georgia Department of Transportation spokesperson says it is something our engineers have never seen before. Incident took place in the early morning hours on I-16 in Soperton, Georgia, where it passes under State Route uh, 86. No one injured, and it hasn't yet been determined if the dumpster full of tractor tires was traveling uh, in the wrong, or whether the uh, uh, the dumpster, because it was raised, was in the wrong position due to a driver error or a malfunction. Authorities say the roadway, which connects Macon and Savannah, would be closed in both direction, directions until the bridge deck is demolished and uh, lanes are cleared. GDOT uh, told uh, local news reporters that they hope to have at least one lane open in each direction before the week uh, started this week. So... I don't know uh, how that uh, ended up getting sorted out, but six feet hit that bridge and moved it six feet. That is amazing. How it didn't bring the thing down, I have no idea. There you go. Uh, That is today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less. Of Hancock County Veteran Services, we now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Take WFIN wherever you go with our updated mobile apps for iPhone and Android. And now you can listen to us on your Alexa device. Get the app at WFIN.com or in the App Store or Google Play. Plus, enable Alexa by searching for WFIN under Skills, and you'll soon be saying, Alexa, play 1330 WFIN. And the best part is the apps and skills are absolutely free. On the air at 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Online at WFIN.com and on your smartphone, tablet, and Alexa devices. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news, the statistics that shape our lives. And this is one that kind of leaves you shaking your head, uh, actually. Uh, what, What does it say about our society today when young people believe how how you present yourself online is more important than how you do so in person? That seems just incredulous to me, but a new survey shows that a significant number of millennials and Gen Zers actually feel that way, that how you present yourself online is more important than how you do so in person. Now, quick to point out that this is a non-scientific survey sponsored by Squarespace, but it did show that 60% of Gen Zers and 62% of millennials believe that how you present yourself online more important than the way you present yourself in person. What's more, the survey found that 44% of Gen Zers, nearly 40% of millennials, think that they make a better impression online than they do in person. By comparison, just 21% of the older Gen X folks believe that, and just 8% of baby boomers. Squarespace also found that 43% of Gen Zers in their survey more likely to remember the last website they visited than their partner's birthday. <laughs> 31% say they can remember that site more quickly than their own social security number. And one in two Americans polled said that they can remember a website's color better than someone's eye color. 71% of millennials, 58% of Generation Z uh, said that, according to the uh, survey. Again, I don't know what it says about the state of society right now other than just how important the digital universe is for younger adults and is probably not going to change anytime soon. 
Well, we've called it the great travel reboot of 2021. People are itching to get away from the places they've been stuck in for more than a year. And one interesting trend is that the most popular things that people seem to be looking for are, number one, places that are a little lesser known, less crowded, and number two, places where people can get out and enjoy nature in the great outdoors. Uh, Nick Visconti is here to uh, tell us about One Place Checks Off Both of Those Boxes. He is a former pro snowboarder and current ambassador for the Reno Tahoe Airport Authority. Nick, tell us what makes the uh, Reno Lake Tahoe area so special for you. Uh, right on. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head. People have vacay on their mind. It's all the craze. And getting out to the great outdoors where there's wide open spaces has never been easier in Reno, Tahoe. So if you're an adrenaline junkie like me, there's so many great things to do in the summer and the winter, whether it's skiing up at Squaw, taking gondola rides over the skyline at Heavenly, or maybe just a summer happy hour booze cruise on Lake Tahoe. It is an incredible place to visit and make new memories. In addition to that, because Reno is situated right there at the foot of the Sierra Nevada, you don't have to expense arts and culture and experimental cuisine, great breweries, all the things that you love to do when you're traveling. It really is the perfect place between Metro and the mountain. And it's also a family-friendly destination as well. Absolutely. It's super family-friendly, and it is so fun. I think a couple things make it very family-friendly. Number one, our airport, the Reno-Tahoe Airport, is large enough where we have all kinds of connecting as well as direct flights to a hub near you. You can find all that information on flyrenotahoe.org, but because it's easy to get in and out of the region, in fact, I would say it's never been easier to go somewhere amazing, then you have the access to spend more time with your family in the outdoors. So whether you're exploring lakes or rivers or mountains, theaters and plays down in Reno, it can be an exploratory place as well as an educational place. So yeah. I think all of those elements make it so fun and a great place to visit. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Reno Tahoe's uh, an international airport, more flights being added all the time, more uh, hubs or, or more uh, flights from, from various uh, destinations, various hubs, very easy to get to. And worth mentioning along those same lines that this is not just great for family vacations either. Maybe this is a bit of a sidebar, but should be mentioned if your company is looking for a convention destination, this would be a perfect uh, spot too. Yeah, we have an incredible convention center uh, right in the heart of Reno. The access to Tahoe is only 30 minutes away, so Reno becomes a trailhead to your next adventure and a base camp for everything that you're doing, whether it's vacation, uh, you know, some respite and R&R &R with the family, or like you said, a convention for uh, whatever industry and business that you're in. In general, it's just a, a really a, a diverse, enriching place to visit and a great place to find wide open spaces. I know everyone's craving getting outdoors and we have the outdoors in plenty. <laughs> One other thing worth noting as well, and this is a big deal because immediately, I think when people think of the Western U.S. particularly, they think expensive. And this is a more affordable destination than folks might think. Absolutely. You fly right into Reno and Nevada and with all of our expanded flight patterns, from airports across the entire nation. It's never been easier, more convenient, and absolutely affordable to come through the Reno Tahoe Airport and explore the region. 
So convenience, affordability, diversity uh, in, in terms of things to do, something that will appeal for ev- uh, to everyone. For someone who is new to visiting the region, maybe hasn't been before, where would you recommend that they visit? What, what should they put on their list? Well, like I said, I think seeing the iconic uh, Lake Tahoe is essential. If you come in the summer, there's amazing secret and public beaches on the east shore of Tahoe. You can take Skyline gondola rides at many of the ski resorts, and there is uh, world-renowned chefs and cuisine to go discover in Reno. It's a uh, more than a day trip. You can spend as much time as you want here, but come out, come have fun, and that's the best part about enjoying a new region is the uh, exploration, right? So come discover it for yourself. Absolutely. And of course, if you're looking beyond summer vacation, a great winter destination uh, as well as you well know. That's absolutely true. Yeah, I snowboarded here professionally for decades, and I'm looking forward to to sharing a chair with you this winter. <laughs> Again, a former pro snowboarder, current ambassador for the Reno Tahoe Airport Authority, Nick Visconti, with us this morning. You mentioned the uh, website where folks can learn more uh, about uh, the airport itself and the destinations that are nearby. Uh, all there is to see and do in the Reno Lake Tahoe area. Where do we find that online? That's right. FlyRenoTahoe.org. Adventure awaits. Again, that's FlyRenoTahoe.org. Nick Visconti, thanks very much for uh, taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate it. And we'll see you the old-fashioned way soon. And that will put a wrap on our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. Of course, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage, GoodMornings.net. We are always on 24-7 on the World Wide Web. Coming up tomorrow on the program, 50 North Executive Director Carolyn Copas will give us a preview of their upcoming open house this week, showing off their brand new expanded facility. So until tomorrow morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.